Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. There's a lot of things you don't know about heaven. There's a lot of things that the most well-studied Bible scholars of our day do not know about heaven. But there's one thing I do know, and I confidently can speak of it this morning. And because I do know it, as your pastor, as one of your leaders here at Collective, I have the responsibility to guide you in this and to point you to this and to urge you to apply this to your lives, and that is that the scriptures tell us that you and I should be setting our minds and our hearts on things above, that we should be heavenly minded people. Look with me in your Bibles at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If you want to turn with me there in your mobile device, you can. If you just want to follow along on the screens, that's okay too. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Here in just a few moments, we're going to finish up in John chapter 14. But Paul wrote to his Christian brothers and sisters in the Colossian church this. He says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I love that. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. What I love about that is heaven's not something we make up. It is a reality. It is real. It is prepared for those who have gone before us that knew Jesus, and it is being prepared for those of us who have been raised to new life in Christ that we may inherit this heavenly place when Jesus calls us home. And he goes on to say, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So there's one conclusion we can draw about heaven. In heaven, Christ sits in the place of honor. At God's right hand. And then he goes on to say, think about the things of heaven. Underline that, highlight it. He says, as Christians, we should set our sights on the realities of heaven. Then he reiterates it and says, we should think about the things of heaven. Why did Paul write this? I believe he wrote it because he knew that we would be distracted by the things of this world. Friends, let me just remind you today, we have a spiritual enemy. And that spiritual enemy, his name is the devil. And he prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to destroy. Jesus said that he is a thief and he has come to steal, kill, and to devour you. And one of the ways that he does that is robbing you of your joy by getting your sights so set on the things of this earth that are temporary, instead of you being obedient to the Lord and setting your sights on the things of heaven, which are actually eternal. And he says here, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. I love that. Your real life is hidden with Christ and God. This ain't, this ain't totally real, folks. Like, we're just walking through this place. It's temporary. The real stuff is in heaven. Where God wants to exist with us in all of eternity. And he loved us so much and wanted us to spend eternity with him there so much that he gave his one and only son. Isn't that amazing? 
And he says here, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. How amazing is that? That Jesus is going to allow us to share with him in all of his glory. And so as we go throughout this message series over the next five weeks, I want to encourage you as your pastor to set your mind on things above. I want to urge you to think about the realities of heaven. I want you to gain a clearer understanding about this heavenly homeland that Jesus promises to prepare for you and I. I want you to look forward to heaven. I want you to have more peace about what eternity holds for you. As a result of it, I want you to be burdened to share this good news with other people around you that may not know Christ. As a result of what you might learn throughout this series, I want to see people in our services that don't know Jesus make decisions to come to know Jesus. And I want those who maybe have been born again in Christ to hear about this place called heaven and become more devoted followers of Jesus. Because let me give you a little bit of theological truth this morning. For those of us that have been born again in Christ and have new life in Him, when we get to heaven and stand before Jesus, we won't be judged for our sins. We won't be judged for our sins because here's what the Bible teaches. When we are born again in Him, He forgives our sins past, present, and future. What those of us in Christ are going to be judged on is how we invested our time here on earth for the Lord. And so as we go through this, I challenge you to consider, are you living with a heavenly mindset? Or as Lisa mentioned earlier, do you live with an earthly perspective? Because Paul told the believers at Ephesus, he said, make the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. One translation says, redeem the time that God has given you. Folks, we must redeem the time wisely so that when we get to heaven, Christ might look us in the eye and say, hey, I knew you. Job well done, good and faithful servant. When I was in elementary school, kindergarten through third grade, me and my parents, we lived in the heart of Dallas. And the public schools in the early 90s in the heart of Dallas were not that great. They're really not great today. But... The schools were so bad, my parents enrolled me in a private Christian school. And uh, at at this Christian school, we had to wear a uniform every day. It was a good-looking uniform, dark green slacks. Yeah, real good-looking, right? Dark green slacks had to tuck in your white polo shirt. Your belt had to be black, and your shoes had to be black and shiny. And on Tuesdays, when you went to chapel, you had to wear your green clip-on tie with your polo shirt. And I'll never forget this one Tuesday going into chapel with my white polo tucked in with my little second grader pot belly and my green slacks with my black shiny shoes. We go in the chapel and this one chapel speaker, he is speaking on heaven and hell. And he has these two like poster board size illustrations. And on one poster board is this picture of what's supposed to be hell. And on the other poster board is heaven. Now, Neither one looked real enticing, to be honest with you. All I know is that on this poster board of hell, it looked dark, it looked scary, and it looked hot. And I don't like to be hot, okay? So I knew I didn't want to go there, but to be honest with you, this poster board of heaven, it looked a little boring. Blue skies, clouds, harps, angels, and your classic white Jesus holding a lamb over his shoulders, 
Neither one looked great, but this place looked a little bit more comfortable than this place called hell. When I was in elementary school, my grandmother would pick me up from school in the afternoons. I'll never forget that day. All day long, I was pondering heaven and hell. Heaven and hell. And when we got home that day, I told my grandmother about it. And within moments, she led me to Christ. Now, I was instantly saved when I was six years old. I was not instantly spiritual. All right? Over the course of the next 13 years, Jesus was my Savior, and he patiently waited for me to really surrender to him as Lord at 19. And when I did, he finally showed me, hey, man, look, I am more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. I am more than a ticket to heaven. And so I learned that Jesus wanted to take me to this heavenly homeland that he was preparing for me. But in the meantime, he wanted to be my Savior and my Lord. And so this place of heaven, this place that was pictured on this poster board size illustration, does it exist? Is it really real? Or is it something, and I'm kind of playing the devil's advocate here for just a moment, is it something, and this is what a lot of unbelievers would say to you and I, that is just a place you Jesus freaks create in your mind to feel better about dying one day. So is it real? Here's where I stand. This book I'm holding here, this is God's word, okay? And second... Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says that this is the divinely inspired word of God. It is all God breathed. All of it. Not just the parts we like. It's all God breathed. And it is useful for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking. And training us in righteousness so that we may be equipped for every good work that God has for us. And guess what? All throughout this divinely inspired word that God has given us, he talks about heaven. He talks about it. Let's look at just a few verses. It appears in the very beginning of scripture. Genesis chapter 1.1, it says, In the beginning God created what? The heavens. He even sets it up to precede the earth. He says God created the heavens and the earth. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 15, Moses prayed to the Lord. He said, now look down from your holy dwelling place in heaven. Uh, Solomon prayed, O Lord my God, hear from heaven. Uh, Nehemiah prayed to the God of heaven. And Jesus himself taught us to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Heaven is very last referenced in scripture near the very end, almost one of the very last verses in Revelation chapter 21 verse 10. It says that he showed me the holy city Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. Heaven is a very real place. It does exist. And those of us who know Christ, we shouldn't be somber when we think about heaven. We should be excited. We should be joyful. We should long for heaven. And so I'm just scratching the surface today. I'm just laying the groundwork for this series. And we're going to really get into the meat of it over the next few weeks. But as we wade in a little bit deeper, let me point you to what Billy Graham had to say about heaven. 
Look at the screens with me. He says, the Bible doesn't tell us everything we'd like to know about heaven, but the Bible does tell us everything we need to know about heaven while we are here on earth. We don't find out everything we would like to find out, but God gives us everything we need to look forward to it and to long for it. And so in the rest of our time together this morning, let me give you four things. With what we do know, we should be encouraged. With what we do know, we should be encouraged. With what we discover throughout this message series, we should be encouraged by it. Now, I believe one of the reasons Paul wrote to the believers in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, that they should set their sights on the realities of heaven and that they should set their hearts on the things above, I believe he wrote that because he knew here on earth there were going to be things that caused our hearts to be troubled. There were going to be things that discourage us, things that depress us, things that weigh us down, things that make us fearful, things that make us anxious. And it could be the job loss. It could be the diagnosis. It could be the loss of loved ones. It could be not getting the promotion. It could be the student loan debt. It could be the infertility. It could be, it could be the wayward child or the difficult parent. But those things on earth that actually should cause us to long even more for heaven, Satan will use them to distract us from the things of God and be consumed by the things of this earth. So speaking of troubled hearts, look with me at John chapter 14. Let me give you a little bit of context here. In John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about how he was about to go to the cross. He's sharing with his disciples, hey, it's, it's about time for me to go, and when I do, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he's sharing with them, he's departing from them. And understandably so, these men that had spent three years of every waking moment by his side, they're troubled by this news. And so because Jesus could see it all over their faces, he says this to them. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. What's the Father's house he's talking about? Heaven. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? How awesome is that? Like that should excite us. That here on this earth Jesus says to us, don't let your hearts be troubled. In fact, be encouraged because I am preparing a place for you, and in my Father's place called heaven, there are many rooms. In other words, there's plenty of room for you, and you are going to spend eternity with me. And what I love here is Jesus makes a promise. He promises He's preparing a heavenly house for you and I. Have you ever, as a kid growing up, had a time in your life where a promise was broken to you? Have you ever had that? Listen, there, there's nothing more devastating for a child than when a dad breaks a promise. Like, there's nothing more devastating to that, whether it be intentionally or unintentionally. There have been times we've had promises broken to us. Here's some good news today. Our Father in heaven, He's perfect. He's perfect. And our Father in heaven, He is a promise keeper. 
He's not just a promise maker. He is a promise keeper. He's a perfect father. He always has been. He always will be. Which brings me to my second point this morning. With what we do know, we should not only be encouraged, but we should be assured. We should be assured. Let's go on and continue to read what Jesus says to his disciples here in John 14, verse 3. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself that you may be where I am also. His disciples are troubled, just like you and I are troubled sometimes. And he assures them in this moment. He says, hey, listen. Uh, If I go, which I am, by the way, I'm going because I've come not for what you want, guys, but I've come for what the Father wants. I I live for his approval, not man's approval is what Jesus is saying. He said, so I'm going and I'm going to prepare a place for you. But hey, guess what? It's not we're not separated forever. I'm coming back for you. You're going to be with me. Have you ever experienced separation anxiety? Or have you ever seen a kid that experiences separation anxiety? Little quick parenting note, okay? Little quick parenting note here. Listen, don't enable your kids' separation anxiety. Help them overcome that a little bit, okay? Let's get back on track, all right? Listen, separation anxiety, I had my fair share of it growing up. I'm an only child, all right? Only child, I'm weird like that. Like, I got all the only child traits you can think of. I try and keep them intact so that you people will actually enjoy being around me sometimes. But I'm a weird only child. And only child, only children experience separation anxiety. There, there were times when my parents would try to go on a date with one another, and I would whine and throw a fit and do everything I could to get them to either take them with, let me go with them, or them stay with me. They would have to bribe me to go on dates with one another. But guess what? As God's children, we don't have to have separation anxiety. We don't have to be anxious about whether or not we're going to be with the Father. He's with us now. He lives in our hearts. One of his names is God Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And he is coming back for us so that we can be with him in all of eternity. We can be assured. We can be encouraged. Therefore, we should also be excited. Excited. We should be excited that Christ has shown us the way. That he has shown us the way. Now, here in about two to three weeks... There's going to be this steady, steady, steady stream of photos on social media of people taking their beach vacations. Anybody in here going to the beach in a few weeks on spring break? Anybody in here going to the beach this year at some point? Like anybody got a few folks raising their hands? Well, good for you. Take your beach trip. I appreciate you rubbing it in this morning. Hey, have fun on your beach trip. No, seriously, I'm happy for you. Take a vacation. We all need a vacation. Here's the deal. Notice when people are on their way to the beach, they're excited. They're looking forward to it. They, they, they know where they're headed. They have been shown the way to have a good time with friends and with family. And you notice all along the way, on the way there, it's like, hey, can we stop and take a potty break? Sure, we're on vacation. It's good. We can stop. Hey, do we, can we get some snacks for the rest of the trip? Yeah, we're on vacation. We got plenty of time. And then on the way back, the tone totally changes. We ain't stopping for a potty break. No, we ain't got time to buy any more snacks or money to do so. We spent all our money on the banana boat. Listen, listen. Christ has shown us the way. 
He has shown us this eternal destination that we can long for. John chapter 14, verse 4, he says to his disciples, you know the way to where I am going. What's the way? Jesus. There ain't multiple ways. There's one way. And I realize that ain't a popular message these days, but that is the message of this. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And only through him do you and I reach this eternal destination called heaven. Which brings me to our fourth and final point this morning. With what we do know, we should not only be encouraged, we should not only be assured and excited, but we should be burdened. We should be burdened. Look at what he goes on to say in verses 5 and 6. He says to, or Thomas says to Jesus, now Thomas was known as the doubter. He was the doubter. Now we all have our moments where we doubt, so let's not be too critical of Thomas. He says, Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know the way where you are going. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I'm a believer here that Thomas knew Jesus. Thomas was born again. Thomas was going to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. But I also believe that there are people that you and I encounter every day that ask the same question Thomas asked. Where we could say to them the same thing Jesus said to his disciples. Hey, listen, I have joy here on earth because this whole thing here ain't forever. It's just temporary. And, and they might would say to us, well, what do you mean? Hey, it's temporary because I'm going to this place that my Savior is preparing for me. And they might would say to you, no, I, I don't know where you're going. I don't know the way to this place that you speak of. And it's in those moments where you and I should be burdened to share with them the good news that is the way Jesus Christ the good news that is the truth, Jesus Christ. The good news that is the life, Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, you and I have the responsibility to tell other people about this good news called heaven. We should be burdened to tell our co-workers, our family members, our neighbors, the folks that come through our doors on Sundays. We should be eager to ask them, hey, do you know when you're going, when, when you breathe your last breath here on earth? Will you spend eternity in heaven or will you spend it in a very real place called hell? And listen, we have got preachers standing in pulpits today saying stuff like this and it makes me cringe. But they're saying, hey, don't, don't worry too much about heaven. We've got too much here to do. Listen, heaven is our inspiration like, we do what we do here so that when we get to heaven, Jesus says, job well done. And then we've got other preachers that say, hey, listen, hell, it's not really a real place. And folks, listen, they have been deceived. Hell is a real place. And anyone that has not been born again through the saving power of Jesus, they will spend eternity separated from God in this place called hell. And you might say to me, man, if God is so loving and so forgiving, why would he send anybody to hell? Listen, he is loving and he is forgiving. That's why he sent his son Jesus to provide a way out. And so those of us who have been shown the way, the truth, 
the life. We should be burdened to tell the world around us about Jesus. Here in Saline County alone, I'm looking forward to the new census coming out. But as of 2010, there were about 63,000 people here in Saline County that didn't claim any religious affiliation. They didn't claim to be Muslim. They don't claim to know Jesus. They, they, they claim nothing. What that tells me is we've got our work cut out for us. We should not be discouraged by that. We should be encouraged because we have some pretty good news to share with some other people. We should see it as a great opportunity for Jesus to move mightily among his people, in his people, and through his people, just like he did in Acts chapter 2. Heaven, it is real. It does exist. And for the born-again believer in Christ, we should be encouraged. We should be assured. Listen, the things that we face here on earth that trouble our hearts at times, let not your hearts be troubled. Be assured, Jesus is preparing a place for you. Be excited. Be burdened. Don't hoard the good news. Don't keep it all to yourself. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.